Welcome to another edition of BeepleCast, a weekly podcast that takes an honest and sometimes irreverent look at the state of open hardware, embedded Linux, and all things BeagleBoard. Hi, and welcome to BeagleCast for March 7th, 2011, the inaugural podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Kreidner, and will be joined shortly by Gerald Coley and Jeffrey Ozier-Mixon. We'll be getting together weekly to discuss what's new in open hardware, embedded Linux, and all things BeagleBoard. We welcome your contributions by leaving us any questions or suggestions that you might have by calling 713-234-0535 and leaving a message, or by visiting http colon slash slash bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash B-C suggest. We recorded this podcast using Google Voice, and we were able to bring in Jeff um, for just a few minutes to discuss Yocto before he had to step away for a conference. We've got Gerald on the line, and we have a guest today, uh, Mr. Jeffrey Ozier-Mixon. Hey there. Glad you could join us. Maybe we can, I know you have about uh, 15 minutes. Maybe you can describe the event that you, that's about to start and um, what's gonna, what yeah, you're going to be yeah. busy doing in about 15 minutes. Well, in about 15 minutes, hopefully I'm going to be having breakfast and hobnobbing with lots of people who are a whole lot smarter than me. But uh, the event that I'm at is the uh, Intel Open Source and Technology Summit, Open Source Technology Summit, uh, being held in uh, northwestern Washington, or southwestern Washington, wherever we are, along the Columbia River. This is a, uh, it's an Intel-sponsored event that... That, uh, but it, it's also an event in which we discuss things like Yocto, which is yes. an open source project which I'm uh, currently uh, managing community for. So you're no longer at uh, Monta Vista, and you're now the mm-hmm. Yocto community manager. Yes, now the Yocto community manager working on a good open source project that is under the auspices of the Linux Foundation. And uh, very well connected to the Beagle Board, I'm happy to say. We have a uh, – Yocto is a – it's a build system that is made up – it's actually a build environment made up of the uh, Yocto – or, sorry, the Pocky build system, along with a whole bunch of uh, extra goodness. And um, it is multi-platform. It works on MIPS, PowerPC, uh, Intel Atom, and uh, the Beagle Board as an ARM platform. And uh, – we have, so we have a BeagleBoard XM BSP that is a part of it. You can download it and, and use it to create your own custom Linux distribution. So yeah. Governance and management of that is one of the things we'll be talking about at this conference this week. Okay. Well, Yocto is doing – there's a lot of people getting involved in uh, Yocto now. I think, you, as you know, uh, you know, TI joined Yocto uh, this last week. Um, lots mm-hmm. of other companies did. Um, your your former employer, Mata Vista. We have Mentor Graphics. A very familiar name pop up on the steering committee also. <laughs> um, yeah, there's one of those. <laughs> that would be uh, Jason Kreidner. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing doing a lot with uh, with the Octo. Um, so let's, let's just hope that uh, some other people have a hold of the steering wheel at the same time. <laughs> did you did you see that um, Philip Ballister, uh, also uh, you know a very prominent uh, BeagleBoard community member, um, is also on the the steering team, um, and 
And there's a big uh, merge with uh, the Open Embedded uh, this last week, I guess, reaching some, some agreement on um, on some, some, some of the basics of what it's going to take to uh, have a core shared between Yocto and the Open Embedded community. Yes, I was very glad to see that. I know that um, the Pocky community has been uh, involved with the Open Embedded community, and they've been sharing technology for many years. And when Pocto, when Pocky, I'm starting to confuse my own names here. When Pocky became a part of Yocto, um, there was there's been some confusion over the last six months about what was going to happen with all of that, and I'm very glad to see that the the, the two groups are merging technology-wise, if not, but not not exactly governance-wise. Although I am now helping out the the uh, Open Embedded Steering Committee. Uh, as much as I can, so it's a very, uh, a very not quite a merger as far as uh, governance goes, but it certainly is a. There's a lot of friendship between the two groups. Open Embedded will continue on its own because, of course, Open Embedded is not just uh, limited to embedded. They have uh, there are a lot of different things going on with Open Embedded. I just hope that this means that uh, all the Open Embedded build tools really become. Um, reasonable to use out of the combining of, of all these different efforts because they're honestly a royal pain. And yeah. I am a, um, a Gentoo Linux user, you know, when I, when I can, can, can choose my own distro for the, for the most part. And Open Embedded has its roots in, in Gentoo, um, but it's quite a different beast. You know, it's very focused on on cross-compiling and, um, and and solves a, a lot of problems, and there's some some fantastic metadata and some fantastic tools for getting this stuff done. But it's not traditionally been the easiest to use uh, distribution builder. Mm. So I'm, I'm really hopeful. I know that some of the things going on are to you know get there some some Eclipse plugins coming or that already exist in, in the Octo project that will become um, you know, with the the merger with Open Embedded and having the the Open Embedded core, you know, will probably be a lot more more useful for building some 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 good distributions on the Beagle board and and having um, you know the ease of use of some of the the, the plugins coming, some slightly improved uh, uh, layering um, in, in Yocto over you know, what was uh, you know the the overlay approach that uh, was being used. To, and open embedded in the uh, TI Arago project and some others. That is definitely the hope, and I think that it has a very good chance of succeeding, given that uh, another one of our steering or uh, the uh, one, another one of the members of the uh, active members of the Yocto community is uh, Kuhn. Yep, and participating quite a lot in the development of OE Core, which is the uh, the shared piece. And then, of course, he's got a couple of layers on top of that that he uses to build Angstrom. I know that Angstrom is the uh, the basis for Arago, and uh, I just I can you can just kind of see all the dominoes. Falling. The names, all these names, though. What I we just got through putting together yet another um, you know brief uh, on the, all these name summaries, so that 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 my managers work up some sort of idea what what the heck all this stuff is, and I. Been keeping up with all these names for uh, the average uh, Beagleboard hacker to be something um, 
nearly impossible. But uh, yeah, I was just gonna say I'd love to see it if you wanted to forward that around. <laughs> yeah, that's probably something we should 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 drop on a on a onto the the e Linux wiki. Um, yeah, absolutely. But most of the e Linux wiki users would 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 kind of find any of any of of my answers as to what each of these projects are probably pretty simplistic. <laughs> I think you might be surprised. Sometimes people just need a a little bit of a direction before they can can put all the pieces together. Gerald, you got you got these all down. Ergo, Yocto, um, Pocky, um, Angstrom. Maybe we you have know. a uh, user's guide to all of these. Actually, if everything keeps merging and things keep disappearing. I think that's where the uh, relying on wiki would probably be a good idea because it would be easily updated. That would be good. Well, I think if you listen to, to, to Kuhn, um, I think that... Uh, Every time somebody talks about you know wikis being the answer and and the, the, because they're so easily updated, it's, it's always interesting to get his uh, visceral response on that because uh, the wikis tend to always be out of date. They can be updated, but nobody ever does it. Yeah, I kind of refer to wikis as a as a piece of bread. They can be nice and fresh. They can get kind of dried out and then get stale. But they definitely start getting green with mold, and that's the time you definitely don't want to go there anymore. That's actually – hopefully I'll get some, some a good project in this year. I've got some ideas. I'd, I'd, I'd like to actually do something to verify the content of the wiki pages, especially, especially as they relate to, to stuff on the on the Beagle board. I think that we can actually do some, some automation, um, you know, giving – allowing people to – to, to really rate if a page is right, or or even get some some scripts running to, to determine if a page is right or out of date, and um, have some some really definitive guides as to how to run all the different uh, uh, software distributions on the Beagle board. Hey, you know what might be a good idea to um, maybe suggest that to a few students if you guys are going to do the Google Summer of Code again this year. I think that's an absolutely fantastic idea. We're certainly going to try to, to put forward a uh, Google Summer of Code um, uh, mentorship application. Um, so now's the time for folks to start visiting the ideas page, uh, and I think this will be an, an excellent uh, project for um, a Google Summer of Code student and, and something to put up on the ideas page. So you can expect me to put that one up, and hopefully other people will put their ideas up on what they think would be a good open source project. Yeah, we certainly had some uh, very interesting projects last year. Absolutely. Before we before we left the the, the Yocto um, project too far behind and, and and getting updates from Kuhn on uh, OE and um, the, the state of OE Core and, and Angstrom on top of uh, OE Core and Yocto, uh, he'll be giving a I believe he'll be giving a status update on that at the ELC conference, the Embedded Linux conference in San Francisco in, in April. So hopefully, yeah, we'll I believe have, so. Yeah, we'll have a good status April update on that then. Week of April 10th, yeah. Uh, there will also be a Yocto slash Open Embedded uh, BOF during that during that conference as well. Uh, birds of a feather, okay. Sorry, just using the term uh, "boff" 
alone just doesn't necessarily sound uh, pleasant to me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's just where my mind goes. Won't be any any violence involved. It's a birds of a feather conversation. So it'll be an evening event in which uh, people who are interested in that particular technology or or aspect of technology can just get together and uh, we'll have some hands-on demos um, definitely with a beagle board as well as some other hardware do you think you'll be able to to join these these calls in the future i know your your new job there at uh, intel um i don't know if that's going to um you know you're you still have a an open source focused job doing the the octo mentorship mentorship and uh are you still going to be an active member of the Beagle Board community, and are you able to, to participate in, in calls like this in the future? Maybe we could have you on regularly. I would be very happy to be on regularly. I'm, I, since the Beagle Board is a very big featured part of Yocto, I kind of consider this part of my outreach effort. Great. I'd love for this not to be the, the TI show um, exclusively and really be more focused on what we need to educate people on embedded Linux and um, – you know, things that they can do with the, the Beagle board and um, and open hardware in general. Um, I know that Gerald um, uh, has a lot of hardware topics he'd like to be uh, covering in the future. It's not all yeah, about the right. strange software groups. Yeah, yeah you, you guys do need hardware every now and then. <laughs> it's got to run somewhere, really? doesn't yeah, run in a I, cloud? I can remember back in the day we used to design logic circuits that didn't need any software and uh first they didn't work any better then than they do now, so <laughs> I read something recently a lot about a, to change. I read something recently about a, a somebody who was doing a, trying to embed Linux onto an FPGA and thus basically have a, a hardware defined Linux distribution. So he's specifically com- um, designing a circuit for for Linux, like doing one of the C to C to gates sort of compilation. I believe that's what it was. Yeah. Huh. See if I can find the news article maybe for our next podcast. Yeah, that'd be interesting. It doesn't seem like the Linux kernel would be exactly the thing that would parallelize really well. You know, because I mean, the, the the wonderful power about uh, you know VHDL and you know hardware is that it doesn't have to wait until the next clock cycle to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, every you know every gate everywhere, and then the entire device is doing something hopefully useful in every clock cycle. But um, I guess making that a reality is is much harder than it than it would. Uh, <laughs> well, there's the ideal, and then there's reality. Yeah. So great. I don't, um, I I don't want to short, but I'm going to need to get going pretty soon. Okay. Appreciate your your joining us, and um, we'll just make it a plan. We're going to try to do these on on Fridays and and try to put them out on on Mondays or, or Sundays, um, the start of the week. Publish them then, and um, be great to have you on board. Cool. I look forward to it. Appreciate your time, sir. You betcha. I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Okay, bye. Amazon has started selling this, um, I don't know what they call it, it's consumer-friendly packaging or something like that. Essentially, they take things out of the package for you and put it into something that you can open.
Really? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a, uh, you know, great idea. They, they, you know, I was looking at some SD cards um, packaged that way, and they were twice as expensive. But uh, it was almost worth it, right? Just to to get something that an SD card that you didn't uh, slice your hand open with plastic trying to get at. Well, then you always have to have a pair of scissors handy, and then you end up, you know, stick yourself with the scissors, or like you say, cut yourself with the plastic. They can be a royal pain. In fact, I've got one right now, the most expensive package I've ever seen. It's a, a micro SD card with all the various adapters, and uh, I can't figure out how to get the smallest piece back in. There we go. I'm done. Hmm. Well, I got really lucky on this last one. I just ordered it, and what it said was bulk packaging, and it ended up coming in uh, brown envelopes. Oh, cool. <laughs> Trivial to open. Yeah, speaking of SD cards, that would, be, that would be a topic that we probably should cover at some point once we figure out what they're all about, because I've not yet figured it out. It would be nice to have a real SD card shootout, because we've, we've figured out that the classes don't give you the real information on the performance. Okay. You can't just rely on the class numbers. I spoke with some folks at the Micron, and they said what it really boils down to is the controller that's in there. Because some controllers are optimized for writes, others are optimized for speed or, or whatever. So, but they don't see any reason why we couldn't have a real set of benchmarks, you know, to measure the, the performance of the controller across yeah, some reasonable set of The problem we ran into in, in, in the production there at Beagle was that uh, – we bought some Kingstons, and we had them. They, they were, you know, okay, not, not the best in the world. Got a next batch of boards, and they were slower. We were doing the programming of the cards to ship with the boards. They were taking five minutes longer, and that made no sense because they were the same class four Kingston cards. So, you know, I don't know. My concern is you may find a brand that works reliably and works really well, and then the next batch you get may or may not. Uh, it seems to me that SanDisk uh, seems to be the most reliable ones as far as being consistent in whatever that performance is. Yeah. I don't know if there's any way for sure to find out, you know, who the uh, manufacturer of the controller is to understand what kind of performance you're going to get. I know we did a, a benchmark using one of the benchmark tools on the SD card, and uh, we noticed that the throughput was about uh, – four megabits per second slower on these cards. And, in fact, there was one area on the card that uh, the performance went way down, uh, you know, for several hundred K bytes, and then it popped back up. So, uh, well, there's been quite a bit of chat in the last couple of weeks on the BeagleBoard IRC channel, on the Beagle IRC channel. Uh, I know Steve Sockerman had actually collected some data on different cards and had published that. Uh, but I think it was still somewhat limited. I, I like you have had somewhat better success with the, the 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 SanDisk or consistency at least out of the SanDisk cards, and so I've uh, continued to to purchase those. But uh, you yeah, know. in fact, I was talking with uh, with uh, Chase this morning, and he he found he got he tried some cards. I had about I bought a bunch of different cards, intending to do the same thing myself. So I forgot what manufacturer it was. I'll let him use it and. Uh, he's a little bit better, not good enough, and uh, he'd run down to Radio Shack and got some SD cards, and uh, they worked really well, and then he found them at uh, the local fries here, and uh, uh, they were a lot cheaper. So 
he seems to be having like the sand is because it can really affect your uh, your performance, you know, greatly. In, in fact, someone was telling me they were at Fry's several months ago in line behind this older older gentleman. He must have been, he said, probably in his seventies, and he and his wife were there looking at SD cards. And well, what's wrong with that one? It's cheaper. He said, No, it's important. I get the best SD card because my beagle board works better when I have the best. SD card. <laughs> yeah, well, I got a, I got a real kick out of that story. So he, obviously, beagle seems to be popular with uh, all age groups. <laughs> yeah, so you should have seen back when uh, in the New York Maker Fair there was a eight year old boy that uh, won a, a beagle board there at the show and he was absolutely thrilled you know he already had his project planned out that he was going to he was going to um going to go do actually I've forgotten what his project was but his dad spent about half an hour with me um after um, the point one the won the board asking me questions so that he was prepared to help his son his, his 8-year-old son with his, uh, his project on his new beagle board but that's that's awesome i forgot what show it was there was this uh uh, kid that was there. I don't know how old he is. He was. He, he was very, you know, he's he one of these people that got so excited, he literally started hopping up and down uh, looking at the beagle board and saying, okay, I've got the older one. I need a newer one. Come on, Dad, get me one. Get me one. He's hopping up. So, uh, you know, it's it, it's good to see people getting excited. I can remember getting into electronics and um, uh, back in the day, and there were magazines everywhere. You know, the computer shopper was, you know, an inch and a half thick. And you knew what everybody were, was doing and all different things and combinations of things. And it seems to me that over the years it's, it's kind of faded away to a certain extent. You kind of wonder where these people are, if the kids are still involved. And, you know, they're still out there. They're, it's just oh, they're definitely like, still out there. But it is they exist out there in cyberspace. And uh, if we can touch touch those people, I think it would be great. We had one kid that uh, we'd worked with wanting to build a product and wanted to go into production. We worked with him for a while, and, uh, you know, we started noticing some little, little idiosyncrasies and kind of found out the the kid was 12 years old. Yeah. I just really bought myself a... to, to make it happen, so I think he finally, I don't know if he gave up, but he decided it wasn't the best time in the world for him to go into business for himself. I just bought myself a, an up, a, a, another copy of Getting Started in Electronics by Forrest M. Mims III. You know, if you remember oh, yeah. all his stuff that was published back um, by Radio Shack and, you know, selling all their their, their individual components and stuff. But uh, I, I absolutely loved that book, that Getting Started in Electronics. That was – I learned more there than I did in the first couple of years in, in, in college. Um, it was on the on the graph paper look, you know. And it was hand yep. drawn. And it was just it was With great. The, the smiley electrons. But, you know, the one thing that's happened, and I guess you can to a certain extent blame you know the semiconductor companies for this. Obviously, they were driven in this direction for all the right reasons. But getting a hold of components that you can actually wire up is uh, very difficult these days. Uh, I know you, you can still find some at, uh, at uh, Radio Shack and now Fry's. Uh, I don't know if you've walked uh, the the Fry's aisles. I mean, yeah. they have some some pretty nice selection of dip package devices still. Yes, there's still a few of them around, but some of the more popular ones, you know, you can't get. You can get these little surfboards, are called, where you can solder them on there and put them into like the solderless breadboards. Mm-hmm. I remember 
when I got started in the industry, we used to do wire wrap boards. And there was a series of holes you put your debt packages in, you'd wire it up on the back and create a circuit board in a couple of days. But it's very difficult to, to do that uh, these days. So I did some wire wrap boards with, you know, a few hundred nets and never again. Soldering is just too easy. They're, they're teaching, you know, six and seven year olds how to solder at these, um, you know, first graders, right? In, in, uh, at this, these maker fairs and, you know, in other places, you know, I've, I see these kids solder and why on earth would you, um, you know, use a solderless breadboard to connect some stuff up, alligator clips, fine, but why on earth would you wire wrap? Yeah, well, we used to, you know, that was back when well, we're not going to talk about how far along ago that was. But anyway, these would be big breadboards. I mean, these would be a foot by foot, and you'd have uh, 100, 150 Ashleys on it. And you take your schematic, and you'd have to hand do the, the net list. And you have a net list, you know, a column and row, basically, and you'd wire them mm-hmm. in there. You'd plug it in, and smoke would come out of it, and you'd have a wiring error. You fix that area, that error, you put a couple more chips in, you plug it in, and they burn up again. So you still had one. So, but that was back in the day. And then it runs for a few hours, and that electrolytic cap that you put in backwards catches fire. Oh, Lord. We had that for quite a bit. In fact, there was a guy I was working with that had it on an extender board uh, plugged into a card cage, and he's up against the wall, and all of a sudden we hear this kaboom. And electrolyte cap blue, and he said, "You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine." And he turned around and stood up, and the right side of his face was black, <laughs> all in his hair. His hair was singed. And uh, I tell you what, another you know inch or so in another direction, you hit him right in the eye. So he was he was very fortunate. Well, do you do you know about this uh, 555 timer contest that's ongoing? Because it was that uh, that contest that really got me interested in picking up my copy of Getting Started in Electronics again because it's first the first one that introduced me to the 555 timer. I've seen that, and uh, believe it or not, uh, I still work with 555 from time to time. I like to use them for uh, for uh, PWM controllers. You can hook up a digital pot to it, control it over I2C or, or SPI. And it makes a very nice PWM controller, you know, controlling a set for motors. Well, how do you how do you get the state held with the? So you're saying based on I squared C, what are you using to? What are you adjusting? Digital in order pot. To so basically, okay, digital pot. Okay. With the dual, you know, 555, and ah, that makes sense. Control the voltage, and that sets the uh, the uh, the duty cycle. You know, it moves it back and forth, and you can find several places that it's very well documented on how to do it, but. Uh, they work. Uh, they work extremely well. Well, you should have tied one up to a beagle board and and controlled something with it and entered it in the 555 timer contest. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Well, I don't. I don't know if you have any time left. I think they're judging them right now. Well, you know, my software skills on the beagle board aren't what they need to be, so it'd probably take me six years to get my software working. Well, eventually we'll get this. Uh, you know, the the I squared C SPI GPIO poking stuff. Uh, down real simple. I finally got my um, Cloud9 IDE um, running on the Beagle board. I just brought it up today, in fact. Uh, so cool. I've got uh, Node.js running, and I've got Cloud9 IDE. It's a, a JavaScript editor. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to. I'm doing this all because I, I want to make it where you, you just 
edit everything in, in JavaScript. You'll actually, you know, poke the the kernel, interact with the kernel to do your low-level I.O., and you just do it all over a, a web browser. So you'll just do all your your editing. So you can make an SD card image. You can just drop on your Beagle board, and it's going to have a web server. You just point your web browser to it, and it'll give you an editor, and you can start peeking and poking with the the, the GPIOs, the I2Cs, and, and what and that would be awesome. Stuff. When you and I, when we first did the Beagle, you were trying to decide what expansion to put out there. You know, well, I wanted you to have no expansion yeah. header. I said, oh, it's just for software. You know, if anybody needs exactly. to expand this, they can just connect something up over USB. Why do we need a, a hardware expansion header? But the uh, I2C, you know, everybody's using that. They use the SPI you know, quite heavily. So, you know, if we can do that, you know, setting up the pin muxing, setting mm -hmm. up, uh, you know, as input-output pins, setting them up as interrupts, uh, you know, things of that nature, I think that would go a long way to help people hook up the different things that they're trying to hook up to uh, today. Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to be trying all this as soon as I can get my new Trainer XM. Um, so they they did a, a version that has the the XM headers on it now, because they before if you wired it uh, wired it up with the headers that they gave you, um, the existing Trainer didn't work with the XMs. So so now they're they're shipping an XM version of that. Um, so I'll be using I'll be using that to to kind of demonstrate uh, doing all the the I/O with the this JavaScript environment. Excellent. Looking forward to that one. Um, spent some time last week messing with uh, with U-Boot trying to do some some mainline patches. Uh, one of them resulted yeah, I saw in that, uh, going across the wire. You know, that's a, that's a good topic that we ought to talk about at some point is how to do that and how to contribute upstream. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that could be a uh, you know when we first get started from what I've seen that can be kind of, of a uh, uh, I won't say demoralizing but it, it definitely something that, that shows you have a little bit to learn. There's a definite way to do it. You don't really know how people are going to react until you do it. You just have to just keep uh, plugging at it to get things you know. Accepted upstream, but uh, I think that would be uh, would be a very good topic of discussion. Yeah, um, I mean the main thing is uh, you know be polite, right? Don't uh, realize that, that you know, you're dealing with people who, um, who who know a lot and and work hard and don't want their time wasted, um, but uh, you're anxious to you know, bring other people into the fold that are going to help them be more productive and and get more things done and. Um, so they want you in their project most of the, in most cases, and um, just got to be be polite and listen to the feedback. Actually, listen to it and follow it. Uh, don't um, don't continue to ignore advice that you're given, um, but just get out there and and start you know start contributing and start getting the feedback. I'm I'm still pretty um still in the early stages of my my U-boot con contributions but uh you know it's not uh, it's not really that hard yeah and i think the more people that would that contribute and even try to contribute the better i mean i'm i'm one of those that don't believe in the stupid question you know i've had a lot of stupid questions posed to me over my career that have uh, triggered well, that's a different way to look at it, and I looked at issues with a totally different perspective. And while the question was still stupid, uh, it did cause me to look at things differently. So, if people are trying to do things, you know, why would you want to do that? Oh, 
I never thought of that before. So you know, you may not have the exact skills at that point to get it up there and enough experience. You know, it could trigger thoughts with other people that do know how to do that, and you know, your ideas could actually get taken upstream. You know, just implemented by other people, and you still get you know get your goal done of adding that capability or that feature. But there, um, in some cases, though, that's not always clear. You know what the, the the best answer is, and of course, getting it out there and getting a lot of different opinions. You know, maybe sooner or later, you know, one one really good idea can can sort of strike as being you know the right way to go, and it's. Um, so it's well, nice you know, to have that for example, feedback. For example, the page that you were trying to push up through there about uh, using uh, scripts. Well, that one's still up in the air a bit, right? So this this one with the the uenv.txt, it's a, well, it's just really just using environment scripts versus. Uh, so previously we had this. Um, um, the uboot scripts were were had to be images, um, and they were essentially commands. That would get uh, executed, and you know you had to run this uboot make image command, and I, I can't remember exactly what the the what it was was called for 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 one of, what these scripts were called, um, but now they have a way to actually save environment variables to text files, um, and it's instead of being scripts, it's um, just environment variable savings. So we're talking about changing the the U-boot mainline such that on BeagleBoard the the default would be to look for an environment variable text file rather than to look for a boot script, um, and that means you could just use a generic text editor, pull the card out, edit it in a um, another computer. Well, from my perspective, I think that is uh, absolutely awesome. Yeah, it's, it's going to make things a lot easier. The problem is is Oh, it's a different file name. Oh, it's not scripts anymore. It's variable settings. Yeah. Well, you know, different. I think the reality is, is, and people need to, you know, stop and think about this, is that one of the things that the Beagle is good for is getting people into Linux. And, you know, a lot of these people, you know, don't have Linux machines. They, you know, they do have, you know, uh, Windows type machines and stuff, and mm -hmm. then to be able to to do this and and do without having to do the make image stuff and everything is definitely an advantage. Now, obviously, I think at the end of the year or the day or whatever you want to call it, you'd like people to be able to make their own image and do it the other way. But this will definitely solve a lot of issues for people and give them a better appreciation and feel for Linux and get them more and more into it. Yeah, I think definitely the the right thing to do is to make it. Uh... You know, easier to edit without having you know Linux tools on your your machine, your, your other machines. You know, just to, to where you can use a generic text editor. Um, but the problem it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about the, the wiki question. You know, to a lot of the people that are you know into Linux and the maintainers and so forth, is well, I don't. Why would you want to do this? I don't need to do this. I mean, that that's crazy. Just learn how to do it. And that's sometimes something that we forget is that we've got people that are getting into this, and if you can have them and give them the capability of doing things that they can easily do in the world they're in today, you know, the better their experience and so that they can get into here. But you've got to, you know, take their perspective in mind when you think of these things. I mean, the idea is to get a lot more people involved with Linux and better capability, and especially with uh, with Android taking off like it is and everything, you know, 
we need to make that as easy for people as possible to get into it. And like I said, as they get into it, then they can learn how to do it the other ways. But if yeah, the, the response I got, though, from the experts on the, the IRC channel was, is you, you know that this, you know, this took me five minutes to figure out what you changed and, and to, to deal with it, but I'm going to be getting a question a day on the IRC channel about what happened to boot SCR? What, what's going on? How do what you know? People freaking out because this makes all of those wiki pages obsolete. Okay, so answer me this: Why did TTY change? Ah, uh, TTY. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, did you did you know? That, I'm sure there was a good reason. I don't know what it is right. I don't now. know that it was a good reason, but the the. So okay. the, the the letter stood for which driver was being used to generate the TTY, and, and I'm not an expert on this. I'm sure that some folks on the, the you know greater experts on the um, the OMAP kernel development could, could tell me better. Um, but the reason it was uh, TTYS and a number um, was because it was using a generic uh, serial port driver, but because the OMAP serial port actually has a lot of features that aren't in the generic serial port, when it was enabled to use the OMAP serial port driver rather than a generic serial port driver, the name changed to, to correspond to what driver was being used. So now it's O for OMAP. Gotcha. Serial port driver as opposed to S, I think, was the generic serial port driver name. I'm not even sure that S was a generic serial port, but. Well, that's easy enough. We just, all you got to do then is go on your text file and just type it in, you're done, right? That's pretty much it. Now, uh, there's one other place. There's, there's, two, there's two places that it primarily impacts. There's the, um, the console that's specified on the, the, the Linux kernel command line. So you just edit that in that environment text file and say console equals TTY 0 to uh, comma 115-200 in 8 instead of TTY S2. The other place is in, is where the, the, um, your, in your init tab, um, so where all you get uh, shells started by init, right? So where where do you want to have login run? Where do you, where can you have uh, um, consoles or, or or terminals open on your machine? And so etc. Init tab, you need to change the the s entry to an o entry and etc. Init tab as well. So don't know if you've ran into that other other change, but that one should be done as well. You could just add both, um, but then you'll get a bunch of errors on the screen that um, one of them isn't responding, and you have to, it, which which adds a little bit of confusion. Right. Okay. So that is the mystery behind TTY02. The newer kernels that use that driver need that O2 instead of S2. Yeah, of course we haven't hit that you know real broadly, but as we uh, you know we're going to be releasing here the you know the big old XMRFC, which is basically just going to the next uh, next revision of the processor, nothing major. But one of the things that we want to do is 
put in, you know, the, the latest kernel and things like that and release it. So I think once those things start shipping and then we make that image available and people start using it, that is probably going to come up, uh, you know, the topic I think the topic will be one that's uh, commonly discussed. Yeah, hopefully one of the new Angstrom release candidates um, with the 2.6.37 kernel will end up working out. That's what I'm playing with right now is uh, 2.6.37. also saw that the Lenaro guys, um, did an Alpha 3 release. I guess they're working towards their um, 11.05 or their their May re release of Lenaro, and they've got a um, their BeagleBoard kernel at uh, 2.6.38 um, release candidate. I don't know if it was three or five or something. Well, one of the release candidates also for for the upcoming 2.6.38. Okay. It would be really great to have people you know really poking at uh, the main line, um, you know, two six, um, you know, thirty eight uh, release candidates, uh, getting those BeagleBoard bug fixes in, so that when two six thirty eight comes out, you know, hopefully that's something that can be just used as is. But there's still there's still a lot of patches that uh, still aren't upstream yet. Should um is there, is there a concept in the, in the Lynx world of like a, a patch status where that people can look to see what's up there and what's not? Well, if there's a problem. Okay, we need to get this pushed upstream, but here's the patch. If people want to go out and, and grab that patch and and go ahead and take care of the issue and, and their kernel build, their you know their builds at the moment. Okay, that they would be allowed to do that. I mean, is there's there a, a lot of different ways and, and places where that gets uh, managed and, and monitored. So there's there's patchwork that has a list of patches that have been um, you know sent in to the mailing list and and then patch the the patchwork status like so Linux OMAP right uh, has a a patchwork repository and you can look at those patches and um, and see what their disposition is whether or not there's been feedback that they need to get updated or uh, different things but it's not completely exhaustive, and, and not everything is being worked up through the Linux OMAP tree, right? Some things come up through um, some of the other subsystem trees, uh, and, and each of the different subsystem maintainers may have a slightly different process for maintaining uh, status. Uh, Lenaro keeps some, some status information out at uh, status.lenaro.org um, for, for their efforts. Um, you know, you've got the, the Ubuntu folks launchpad, and um, with, with Angstrom, you know, you can go and look at what their patch set is, what they, how they patch the kernel today, and a lot of people using the BeagleBoard and, and, and trying to get uh, good working kernels. You know, the uh, the Angstrom folks have been, you know, and Kuhn in, in particular has been really good at uh, getting some some good functions into the Angstrom kernel. So you can just go look at their their Git repository and see how they're patching the, the Linux kernel. I think that would be good to, uh, especially for those people that are, are new to Linux, actively get this type of information out to. Here on my computer, I just brought up the status for Lenaro, and uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's interesting. Like they've got uh, you know low, medium, high, and essential patches, and what percentage of those patches have uh, made it up. Yep, yep, yeah. So it's, it, there's there's good stuff going on, and there's ways to find the information. But yeah, I agree. It's it's not the easiest to find. There's also um, TI has some wiki pages, a little bit out of date. I've been trying to poke some of the people 
you know, inside of TI to get it get it uh, updated. Um, I think the new releases are coming out soon for two six three seven um, for for the TI uh, kernels. But um, there's some there's a on the processors.wiki.ti.com <clears throat> you can search around there and there's um, status for for you know TI pushing some some patches upstream. Excellent. Yeah, lots lots going on to push stuff upstream, but it, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. But uh, yeah, I think that you know TI is now I think the number eight contributor to the Linux kernel. I think was the last measure. The um, so um, Jonathan Corbett um, does a, a really nice status report on you know who the contributors are to the Linux kernel and um lwn.net is a, a nice um source um for for news about development on the Linux uh, on in Linux definitely recommend reading that there's just so there's just so much stuff out there it's just Hopefully we can, you know, use this format to to bring in some of the answers for people. Still have a lot of other stories that are pulled in off of the um, the 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 web uh, over the last week and put into the the Big Award RSS feed. You know, I did my my little blog post about reading uh, Linux input events in Perl. Um, I think that. Uh, you you can do a lot in scripting language and languages and um the input events um I think are still something a bit uh you know mystical to um uh, people who are, are not familiar with Linux and are trying to do IO and are used to just being able to read a register and you know and and you know capture and interrupt in order to to, to do things that they that they want to, to 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 monitor, you know, pressing of a button or something. But I did a really simple example where you're waiting on the the user button. Cool. Um, uh, you know, there's just so much there's just so much information out there, and you know, I think we could help a lot of these people. Again, I kind of go back to the ones that are just now starting out in the in the Linux world, and you know, like the conversation we've had in the past, it's like you've almost got to be a little bit of a private investigator and know where to look, you know, for things. But there's just so much out there that I think they could find uh, beneficial. And, you know, they just need to get out there and just start looking. But if we could give them some places to kind of start from, you know, I think that would uh, definitely help them out a lot. And, you know, doing what you've done here, you know, with the scripts and things of that nature, that needs to be something that, you know, we need to figure out how to get that information to people and break it down for them so that they're successful. I mean, a lot of times I think people are so, yeah, I want to try this, and, you know, well, I didn't work. I did everything. It didn't work. And you, they skip two or three. Well, if the software would just stop changing, maybe they could get a, a, you know, to try to write something like that for the software world when, you know, every quarter you get a new release of Linux, um, you know, the Linux kernel. I, I it's tough to keep up with, so. It is tough to keep up with. It is very tough to keep up with, and it's just, you know. But 
I don't know that you know saying that this is the price you pay is, is the right term, but this is one of the, the the benefits of open source. It does move very very quickly, uh, and it, you know, it's kind of hard to, to keep up with it at times. But you do get a lot of innovation. You get a lot of people involved, and you get the the best minds versus having something that's coming from more of a you know corporate environment. Well, you know here's our release, and we'll give you a new one in six months. You know you get your problems fixed early, and more importantly. The problem has already been fixed by somebody else, and you just need to know where to go find it and apply that patch or do your own build or whatever it is. You can quickly get those things that you care about taken care of. But the, the price you have to pay for that is that you know you've got to stay up with it. You know you, you've got to understand and learn the best places to look and for the topics that you're concerned about, and and go there on a daily basis and see what's going on. Well, I'm seeing more and more downstream distributions that will really provide you know, decent support for the Beagle board, right? You know, if you go to it's still if you go straight to Ubuntu dot com and start looking or you know, for Ubuntu, it's still a little bit convoluted how you go find that. But it's in the official releases and you can you can search their wiki pages for essentially all the information you need um to to get started with Ubuntu on the Beagle board. Um I, I you know, on the XM, now that we've gotten rid of the NAND flash, you know, some people, you know, cry foul there for, for no NAND flash. But I love the fact that, you know, you can now take that Win32 disk image writer that's coming from the, you know, the Ubuntu guys and use that and take, an, you know, an SD card image, you know, run it on your Windows laptop, you know, and format your SD card and put it in there and you, and you know that, that it's going to work. All right. Uh, I think that we need to make sure not to, to to add any hardware incompatibilities between new versions, right? And I think that that's been, uh, um, you know, they've typically been extremely minor, but uh, any 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 change that uh, requires a, a software change, you know, means that those static software images will no longer work clean. Right. Speaking of Ubuntu, I'd heard that. Uh it wasn't clear whether the support was going to continue the Ubuntu on on uh, for the next gen, you know, the next gen kernel release. Have you heard anything else about that? Uh, no, I I think that there was some. Um, I, I really don't know anything about why they wouldn't uh, continue to support uh, the know, ARM you know, architectures you know how... and the BeagleBorn in particular for for future releases. I really don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, I, I don't this, either. I mean, Christers always talk. Sometimes it's. It's founded in fact, and sometimes it's just a rumor. Well, you know, whatever negotiation goes on between TI and Canonical and and ARM Limited, and you know, it's who gets paid for doing what is, is is one thing. The I don't think the Canonical and, and the Ubuntu communities were were paid for for you know BeagleBoard um, support and specific on the the last release, right? Because they they had uh, uh, their Panda boards. They you know they had um, you know the the um, you know I think that there were other focuses for which they were being you know paid for uh, I think that you know we have just some excellent uh, community members you know Robert what Robert Nelson does and uh, right. and of course um, you know Ricardo Salvetti and um, you know the other the other guys uh, are are just um, 
are, are very interested in enabling the the community developers, you know, where they need their the support. From a legal perspective, if you think about you know things starting to move to two dot six dot thirty seven and so forth. What would be in Beagles.org's best interest as far as legacy uh, releases? Should we always try to encourage people to go the latest? You know, or how do there we always needs to be something known, stable, um, for which people can verify the functionality of their hardware and use as a starting point to learn from. All right. So there, there needs to be something that's known good. Um, and that they can refer back to for 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 years, um, you know, surviving any um, you know hardware changes that that might occur, you know, revisions of the board, so that they can acquire the latest version of the board and still run this legacy software, and you know, be able to perform their labs, um, their um, you know, go follow some of these these wiki pages, right? So you ought to be able to still get a version of the U-boot that uses that silly boot.scr, even though there's this environment uh, uh, script thing now. If you go looking at the new stuff, um, that's oh. why I, I tried to write when I did the the BeagleBoard Diagnostics Next, um, you know, wiki page entry um, and the instructions. There, there are some. There are currently some some issues with the build script, um, but you know the process I try to follow is one where that metadata that's required to build that image and the, the functionality that's described uh, together um, will work um, going forward. And I think that that's something that under the Google Summer of Code project this this summer we really need to put together that whole experience in a way and, and have it preserved for the ages. I, I think that would be awesome. So, you know, you talk about Robert, you know, the great work that he's done for, for Ubuntu on Beagle and so forth. What do you think his perspective would be as far as providing legacy support for that? I, I would think he'd want everybody to move to the latest. <laughs> I'd probably speak for too many people as it is. I don't know that I want to speak for, yeah. for Robert. I don't, I don't want to speak for him. I was thinking from the standpoint of, you know, what would our expectation be? Would we expect him? Do we think it's in Beagle's best interest that he continue to provide support there, being that he's uh, you know, an army of one? Well, okay, or would our expectation be that he would say, "Okay, here it is. Here's a snapshot. You know, you can go get this, and then you know, if you have some things you want fixed, then you just needed to go to the to the next one." I mean, it, it's a it's a problem. I that think that developers, I think developers should be free to focus on the next one um, and encourage users to, well, you know, please report issues to me on on the latest. Um, that said, that you know there are places where you know freezing and stabilizing, um, you know, are appropriate. I think you just need to be very selective about those pl those points in which you freeze. Do you want to consume a you know a resource like Robert Nelson, who's solving so many problems for different people and, and helping them move to to new cool stuff, and say? Robert, you know, please slow down and support the uh, old stuff. I don't think that's that's a a good way we would. I don't think that would be the best interest of of, of the BeagleBoard project. Um, you know, for uh, for too many people to get on them to support old stuff. A lot. You know, 
from a BeagleBoard.org perspective by helping to set certain expectations, okay, mm -hmm. within the community, within developers that will free them up to do that kind of stuff and say, hey, you know, here it is, you're free to use it, blah, 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 but, you know, we're going to try to move on to the latest stuff because things do keep moving so quickly. And, you know, for someone, again, going back to my pet project about people that are new to the Linux world, they may or may not understand that. You know, we've had several several emails on the email group here back this past week. Yeah, I'm trying to get to work on some earlier version. Well, why would you want to do that? Why don't you just go to this version? It's been around for a while and it's stable. Why do you want to do that? You know, there may be some other reasons why they want to do that because they've got some software of their own that was written for the earlier release that they've got to stick with or something. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know. But they could get, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, disenfranchised, I guess is the word, by saying, well, I can't get support in this older stuff. But if we... Yeah, but I think that um, I think that you look at the goals of, of BeagleBoard, I think that, you know, advancing the state of the open source software is a higher priority than um, supporting um, sort of stale development um, and you know, that, that stale development, you know, makes a lot of sense when you're like a commercial developer. And there are just so many other options out there. You know, you've got, uh, I don't want to throw out the, the word stale and then mention some, some other development options and make them sound like they're they're not, you know, uh, don't have advanced and, and, and timely software. But there are just so many other great commercial development platforms that that have, that are pulling from the software of the BeagleBoard and and you know you know taking advantage of the you know the core circuitry and give you a starting point and you know and are you know anxious to you know provide commercial support you know in their their software and hardware offerings and I don't know why you'd want to put that on uh, Beagle and slow the community down. I agree because you know one of the things you bring up here is is another thing I had in mind when I started talking about this was one of the nice things about BeagleBoard.org is you know we're, we support everybody we're open to everybody we don't care who you are what you do where you come from anything but you know there's there's newbies there's uh, oldies so to speak and then there's also people that are trying to build products and we don't try to figure out who's actually trying to build a product and, and you know we don't really care what they do with it. But, you know, they may be ones that uh, uh, would need support like this, and, and they've kind of got in their mind that they can get it from Beagle, and mm -hmm. we just need to set the right expectation and say, hey, if this is what you're doing, this is what we suggest that you do. You know, Beagle is fast-moving, you know, mid-to-leading-edge type activities, and, uh, you know, if you're working on a project for a year and a half, uh, you're going to be quite a bit behind because we're going to be moving on. So if right. you can get that messaging out to, to the community and those that participate and make sure they understand what the tone is and what we're trying to do, then maybe that way they won't get as, as frustrated. They'll, they'll understand more about what, what we're trying to do. Yeah. The, the, the counterbalance for me, though, is that we do need to do something to stabilize in order to make it possible to get younger entries you know, out of college, you know, in college, you know the the um, if you look at Mark Yoder's uh, class, right, and he's trying to to dive into to some some deeper topics that 
you know, require that, you know, if you want to deal with, you know, the DSP programming, right, you don't want to have to worry about the rest of this Linux stuff, right? You just want to work on your DSP code. Um, you know, you need a stable environment for which you can you can go and focus on this one aspect uh, a bit and, and or to go and learn Linux and stuff for the first time. Um, you need to have a lot of labs and some stuff that's, that's worked out and needs to be stable for a good time. And that's why I think that having a project around BeagleBoard that is stable does make some sense, but I think it should just be um, you know, somewhat uh, limited. We can't, you know, know that we want, okay, do we need a stable Android? Do we need a stable Ubuntu? Do we need a stable, you know, every single one of these? And And for some of these other projects, like Ubuntu, right, they have their long-term long -term support branches, and, you know, if they have these SD card images, that experience with, you know, 10.04 Ubuntu um, should be consistent for a fairly long period of, of time anyway. Right. I agree. Okay. I think there's probably a lot more to, to dive into the details about, you know, you know, where the project should go in terms of um, you know what should yeah, be stable I mean, we and what the, should go on. But... about the, the wikis and how they can and, and get stale and, and things of that nature, and it, it, it takes it takes some work. Okay, so it needs automation. This is a, this people is a... within the open source community contributing upstream to the you know upstream releases and so forth. It seems to me we ought to be able to figure out some way that we can say, hey, this is this is. The, the main wiki, if you will. We yeah. want you to contribute. We want your input. We want to keep it fresh and updated. And then here's the next 50 or 60 ones that uh, we'd like everybody to to look after, focus on, and, and make sure that they're up to date and help, help those people that have those wikis as well. Well, this is a somewhat software solvable problem, right? And the, the, the BeagleBoard project page is, is something that, you know, there's 200 projects listed up there, but you know, you're never sure, you know, okay, there's six different Androids, which one do I go and look at, you know, which one's actually being worked on, which one's up to date. And, um, and, and I think that there's a lot that we can be done through, you know, programmatic automation, um, you know, to, to say, okay, if you've got an auto builder tied to your, your project, right, you know, you know, and you have a stable build for just documentation against, and you have a, um, a nightly build, and I think that that's stuff that can all be fed into the, the consolidated uh, BeagleBoard.org portal through some scripts, and I think that's going to make an excellent uh, Google Summer of Code project. Okay, that, that, that'll, that'll be great. And uh, when does Google Summer of Code get started? Well, March 11th is the date for which uh, mentoring organizations can uh, begin making applications. I believe that's begin... Um, I think the 28th, maybe, when they announced dates. Probably shouldn't be quoting things that's going to get recorded and then um, have it be wrong. So say, look at the show notes. I'll create some show notes um, that goes out with this, and uh, uh, it'll include the dates for uh, Google Summer of Code. Googlemore.org slash GSOC. There you go. That's where, if you want to find out about uh, BeagleBoard.org's uh, application to Google Summer of Code for 2011, visit uh, BeagleBoard.org slash GSOC. Uh, it, would be, it would be good. I mean, 
Of course, we have these every year, so, you know, I would not be opposed to even the concept of saying, okay, here's here's phase one, we're going to do this, this is going to be the foundation, we're going to do these automation tools, and then after those release, we look at improvements that can be made and new things that can be added to it, and then when the next Google Summer of Code comes around, we maybe have another couple of projects that improve on top of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've got all this technology, and obviously, as we've had experience here this morning, uh, it's, it isn't always as <laughs> If we can really help pull some of this stuff together, I think it would be great. You know, it's like anytime I have a problem with my PC, you know, I always do a Google search, and I find out that somebody has already solved it, okay? And if we could get, get to a point where we could do stuff like that within the, the open source slash Beagle realm, I think that would, would be Well, good. I never find problems on my Beagle that I can't solve on, uh, by doing a Google search. So I think you just uh, – it, it's it's still that, um, that initial experience before you really know what to Google search for. Yes. Yes, it's it's not the answer that's important. It's the question. If you don't ask the right question on Google, you're not going to get the right answer. So what do you say we wrap up with uh, 10 minutes, just the last 10 minutes, we try to blast through some of the news that pulled up through the the RSS feed, just kind of blast through that, and then um, just because I think we're going to be, I think we're running long a bit. Um, Just kind of want to touch on these things real quick and then... uh, and then we'll call it a uh, call it a podcast for the week. That sounds like a plan. Um, did you hear about the student robotics stuff? They they, they build um, a robotics kit based around the Beagle Board. It's a I think there's you know maybe about four universities in the in south of England. Uh, um, or, well, I don't know which part of England actually, where Bristol is. Um, they've. Uh, there's a, a nice um, a talk from some of the students. Uh, they have this uh, thing that's kind of like the what we did for our community lightning talks, oh. where they give uh, these little five-minute talks, and they did one on uh, student robotics at uh, Ignite Bristol. I seem to recall something about about uh, you know student project, but I'm not exactly up to date on that. What can... it, it's pretty cool, pretty grassroots. Um, they have a nice kit. One of the, the, the cooler things for the robotics that they're doing um, that's, that's really cool to me is it's all atomic. No um, no remote controls. A lot of these robotics competitions involve remote controls, and I like this one that, that's just all automated. And they're they're actually um, they're going after a, what they call sixth formers. Not really sure if that's uh, like a, a secondary school or post-secondary school, but I think it's in the, the age of like 16 to 18 year olds. Okay. Excellent. Pretty cool stuff. Now that reminds me, we, we got a uh, request uh, last week, you know, to try to get a hold of uh, 50 beagle boards for a high school. Excellent. I'm not sure which high schools these days have have the funding and everything to do something like that, but they were definitely looking at doing something with it. So those type of things are those type of things are really interesting to me. Yeah, I think that high school students can clearly um, figure out how to do a significant amount of stuff with the Beagle Board, right? I mean, you're running Ubuntu. I mean, that's the same stuff that they they they're probably running at home, right? I run into 
to high school students as part of the um, U.S. First volunteering that I do a little bit of that that, that use um, Ubuntu um, on their laptops and at home all the time. And Angstrom is actually when you do the Angstrom GNOME stuff, that's you know it, it feels pretty similar. It feels pretty comfortable. Yes, it does. Um, Build root. I don't know if you, you do. We need to do like a distro overview sometime. Just like, just like have a. I think what you called a distro wars. We should probably just have a, a distro war. All, all show uh, discussion sometime. But build root is one of the the really minimal distributions. Um, especially good for for MUC Linux based. So when you're uh -huh. not using the MMU. Well, I think it would be good to, you know, for those that are, are just new to this, you know, I want to do X, Y, Z, I want to do X, B, M, C, or I want to do, you know, this or that, you know, which would be the easiest for them to get started with? I mean, you know, we do ship the open embedded with the board because we just had to pick one, but uh, well, we're fans of all of them. So, you know, I think that would be good to try to get into discussion about that at, at uh, one of our next uh, sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, nobody's really provided a whole lot of strong feedback on what distro should be on on the board, really. Maybe well, that's not know, something I've seen. I have not seen that either. Uh, you know, we obviously have to put something on there and allow us to test the goofy thing. But uh, you know, if accessibility to these other distros were yeah. was really well, easy. Angstrom's a nice one. The build, build root is um, I found really interesting when I when I looked at it. Uh, I couldn't find a def config, so it uses the like the kernel def config sort of uh, menu options to to choose which which board you're targeting. Um, I know that the Free Electrons folks I think did some uh, they have some training for BeagleBoard, and I think that they used build root as part of the to build the root file system and kernel for that for that training. But uh, I couldn't find a BeagleBoard def config in the project yet. You know, it recently in the latest releases, they actually have the GStreamer plugins uh, for the TI DSP-based codecs. So Fluke Contreras has pushed patches uh, for those. So they have um, you know DSP-accelerated codecs, but no kernel build for the BeagleBoard. Um, Lots of you know got on their IRC channel and lots of people are using the BeagleBoard and and have their kernel configs for the BeagleBoard, but it's not in the the mainstream project, which I found I found a bit odd. Maybe we can work with uh, these folks and try to provide a little influence and convince them to take care of this. Well, they're they're open to accepting patches. They said you know you just told me hey you know point me to a reasonable kernel and. Send the patches and 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 you know we'll take them. But uh, because a lot of people are using them, I think that the the one developer that I spoke to just uh, you know he said that um, you know his was essentially essentially a commercial project that he was working on and it was a, a BeagleBoard clone. Um, you know, so he wasn't doing the, the testing on the the actual BeagleBoard. Um, so he was making use of all the 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 G streamer bits, but uh, you know, because it was for a commercial project, he he wasn't submitting the the patches that he had for that. 
I've got one that, you know, we've, I think we've got five minutes left, and I've got one that might in, in, incite you, but don't know how you're going to respond <laughs> to this one. Did you see Tenet Tektronics announce availability that they're now selling XM boards? Are they an approved distributor? Yeah. They are? Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, um, I'm not going to say any names, but, you know, we've had one there in, in India, and I've not really been that, uh, you know, you can get them. The website's not real friendly. What's nice about these guys, and, and we held them off for quite a while, they, uh, and I, we haven't listed them on the website. Basically what I like to do is let them work for a while and, and see how they do before we start driving everybody their, their direction. But uh, they're very active. They, they've got, uh, you know, support site and blogs and this and that, and, and they seem to be doing what we like to see our distributors do, which is promote the Beagle and, and help their customers that buy it support it. So, uh, so yes, they, they are a soon-to-be official. Basically, they're on a, a trial basis, and they've not gotten their first shipment of boards yet. I think they're due this week, I believe. Well, they, they said that they're going to start shipping. If you look at their, their post, they said they're going to start shipping on March 10th. Yeah, they should, yeah, that sounds about right. They should be, last I talked to them, based on the shipping, that they were going to get their first batch of boards this week. So, so we'll see how they do. I mean, obviously anybody that wants to sign up will, will listen, but uh, we want to make sure that they're going to do more than just say, hey, your boards are for sale. Okay, well, this, make this sure is pretty exciting to get a, a, another indie or an indie distributor. I just didn't, I wasn't aware since nobody had asked me to update the the buy page. Um, so we we got a couple. We've got uh, you know a couple in China. Uh, Chipsy's one of them. I think that we'll be putting them on the page here pretty soon. They're doing a very good job over there. And uh, you know we get four or five requests a week from people, and obviously we can't take them all. So we we, we kind of these tenant guys, you know we. I really put them through the ringer, you know, and they got quiet for a week or two, and they kept coming back, and I'd slap them again, and they kept coming back, so I knew that they were serious. And so, you know, based on the stuff that they're doing and their, their uh, you know, the website and things of that nature, I think they're going to be a good one for us, but, but we'll see. We'll see how they get rid of these boards, how many they sell, and, you know, and we'll take it from there. Talking about the distributors, um We've ran across another distributor out in Florida that's selling Beagle boards XMs for $200 a piece, and uh, you can get quotes up to 500 boards. Uh, we're trying to figure out. Is it a clone, or is it really exactly the where they're getting their boards and, and what they're doing? Okay. Well, they they obviously sell them at a much higher price than than other distributors. So we're checking into them and trying to figure out what they're all about. Yeah. So maybe they mean that it's a, a clone. Um... And they're just maybe not uh, positioning it quite right. Yeah, I, I've, I've not heard of them, but you know, but they they sell a lot of different products from from different companies. Yeah. And and we, we were discussing earlier. I guess you saw uh, Kuhn made his uh, Beagleboard coasters with his MakerBot. Oh so yeah, three D printing really, is really nice. I, I think that's slick. I've got to get one of these machines. I don't know. I, I keep I keep thinking that the price is going to drop just a little bit more, or you know it's going to just uh, you know a little bit more updated electronics, and I, I'm just on the sense of buying my own MakerBot. But um, yeah, I think it's cool. Don't know about MakerBot. Y'all yeah, check them out. Uh, Jason and I had the privilege of meeting with them, those folks several months back when we were up on a trip to New York, and uh, they do some really really neat stuff. Yeah. 
definitely worth checking out. Yep. So he's got his BeagleBird coasters. He told me this week he, he uh, corrected the, the case on the second B in BeagleBoard, so now it's a camel case. <laughs> I think his original picture showed the, 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 the board being a lowercase b, but uh, pretty neat little little case. I kind of wonder how long it takes to, to, to make one of those. Right? He can start making those suckers commercially available. Well, they've got that. Uh, the MakerBot now has this thing where it'll it'll kick it off the tray. So however long it, it takes, that you can have it do a series of them one after another, and it'll it'll kick them off and uh, off the tray, and you can collect them later. Excellent. I had not heard that. Yeah. It's a pretty cool little feature. Uh, Adobe Flash 10.01 with um, DSP accelerated H.264 was released for the, the DM3730. I don't know if anybody's actually integrated that into their uh, BeagleBoard distro yet, but uh, having Adobe Flash um, with uh, accelerated H.264 is probably a, a pretty cool thing. Flash is always good. Don't know that Apple would agree with you on that, or that uh, everybody in the world would agree with you on that. But you know, well, having, having it having it available for your hardware is better than not having it available. Actually, if I were to, to be a, an honest person here, you know, whenever I go to a website that if Flash pops up to begin with, if I'm, if I'm not desperate to go to that website, I usually just close it off and go to the next the next link on Google. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that a lot more of the HTML5 Canvas uh, stuff really, really takes off, and Canvas and SVG, um, and people can can slow down their use of anything proprietary. But in the meantime, you want to be able to to browse all the the content, so it's nice to have the plugin available for you. Um, the TikTok guys have a gumsticks camera. One of our our friends over there at Gumsticks. So I don't know if you've if you've seen um the Pixhawk. They they started with the Beagle board. Um then they needed something smaller and so they ended up going with the gumsticks overarrow boards. And now they've got uh some cameras available that use that uh that small ribbon connector. It's a nice line that's got a very very nice lens on it. Oh, you've looked at it? Yeah. Cool. Um, the um, armeddevices.net guy, um, I, you know, I only see his nickname. I don't, I don't actually recall what the guy's name is, but uh, Carbox. Um, he interviewed um, you know, TI's... Um, um, Roger Monk uh, in front of uh, the Beagle Wall. Um, so he took a, a video of that uh, with the Beagle Wall, Beagle Wall uh, running. Um, oh yes, the Beagle Wall. The Beagle Wall. So this is a nice new video of the Beagle Wall. Hopefully, we'll be getting one to the U.S. soon. I'm I'm really hoping to reproduce that, but uh, um, I don't know that we have enough uh, money in the 
BeagleBoard.org and coffers. We're going to have to convince uh, TI to buy one. Well, maybe we just need to get the one from over there shipped over here to show it off and tell everybody we've got to ship it back and you know, maybe they'll, they'll change their mind. If they have to pay for the shipping back? Yeah, yeah. So the shipping, so if we make sure the shipping here is half of what it costs to build one on our own, then maybe we'll get there. <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's my quick run through of the RSS feed. Um, seems like we have more to talk about than we can possibly fit in a in a an hour weekly show, but maybe maybe we'll at some point get caught up enough on topics to to, to merely uh to merely feel rushed rather than overwhelmed. Sounds good to me. All right, Gerald. Appreciate your time. All right. Same here. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. So that does it for the inaugural BeagleCast. As we work out the format, we'll definitely try to shorten it next time. Um, we'll be looking for your questions and suggestions. Hopefully to be included in the next week's BeagleCast. And have a great week.